what we've done, I think, is very intelligent and also slightly cheating. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right, today we have uh, two podcasts in one. In the first part, I'm bringing on my business partner, Jonathan, where we do a touch base on our $3 million challenge where we're trying to grow three completely different companies to seven figures. So you can kind of see where we're at with that, the good and the bad. And then the second part, I'm bringing on Mike Zaborski. He runs Consulting Success. And we really get into the how-to for anybody that wants to start their own agency or consulting practice How do you pull that off? So he gives the framework and the tactics to do that. He's built his own agencies and now he mentors people in doing that. So if you're at all interested in kind of starting your own thing and selling what you do as a service, there could be some good advice for you. So we'll dive in. Hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. Today, I bring in my business partner on Jonathan. We're doing an update on our $3 million challenge. And for context, we have a, a growth marketing agency called Growth Hit, and we had the, the brilliant or horrible idea to launch a startup studio where we're taking a lot of the profits from our agency. And if we're such a good growth team, why can't we grow our own things? And our goal is to stand up three different companies and get them to seven figures in, in revenue. And we're documenting everything we're doing each month. We do it through the email newsletter. We do it through Twitter, wherever you can find our content. And so we want to do a monthly update on the podcast, just kind of talking through how that's going. And to be clear, the three companies we're wanting to do is one, our agency, which we have already reached that milestone of of over seven figures. The second is a direct-to-consumer brand that I'll give an update on. And then the third is going the route of a software as a service company or potentially a productized service. And that's what Jonathan will be hitting on. But Jonathan, did I did I give the definition of our, our $3 million challenge? That's exactly right. So it's one down, two to go right now. And we definitely have some stories to tell on, on those two big things. So we'll talk about the D2C brand. So we've created a D2C brand that makes a men's grooming product. It is essentially dry shampoo, but in pomade form. It's called Handsome Chaos is the brand. And it came out of my own problem where I'm, I'm a dude. I have, I guess, longer hair and I hate gels and pomades. It makes it look oily and greasy. I look homeless. I was stealing my wife's dry shampoo. I don't like it. I don't like using the powder. I was like, how can this exist in a pomade form? And so we're starting to make something and it's working. So your hair looks nice and dry all day long. Or if you're like me and you don't take a shower and you wake up and your kids are screaming and yelling, you can put it in and jump on a conference call and not look totally horrible. And so the update on it is we're at version eight of manufacturing the product. And this is so much harder than I thought to really nail it the right way. We could probably go to market with it, but I'm, I'm not satisfied. So we're, we're waiting on that. One thing that we've done, and I brought Angela on, our creative director, is we've built a brand for it. And we're trying to do some validation work before we really do a big buy of the product. And one thing that we did is we stood up a pre-order, like a waitlist campaign. We did some ads around it that I can publish, and we were able to get a thousand people on the waitlist. 
And it's as simple as like, it's, it's just a Facebook and Instagram ad teasing the idea and the problem we're solving and getting them on it. It was actually working so well that we also stood up some ads where we drove them to our Shopify site where we're selling this product for $29.99. And we actually got 10 sales. We had to turn it off and I had to email the people. I'm so sorry, we don't have it. Let me give it to you for free when we do. But I'm beyond fired up that we're seeing some signals that we're touching on a problem that people have. But we're just not ready to ship it because it's not ready. And I, people that are probably in e-commerce know this, but I just can't believe how long it's taking to, to make the, the product. But the other thing that I'm thinking through, Jonathan, is with the agency, you're profitable day one. You know, hey, we're Jim and Jonathan. We do growth marketing pay us at the beginning of the month and we're profitable. With a D2C brand, we have to be very, you know, ROI focused, profit focused with our PL and with our balance sheet. And what we're thinking through is how do we devise a growth strategy if this thing really validates where we can grow, but without taking on too significant of a risk or having to pour in too much money because we're not rolling in those funds. And so that's something I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with right now is how to grow when you don't have resources. Because I know it can be done, but with something that's a little capital intensive where you have to buy inventory, how that's factored into it. I even did a podcast episode with the Born Primitive CEO. They do a D2C brand. It's athletic wear for like CrossFit enthusiasts and they've grown like crazy and didn't raise a dime. And so I think there's a lot to learn from models like that. But that's the update that we have on Handsome Chaos right now. There's some fun signal going on, but the, the launch is, is delayed. Jonathan, what am I leaving out with that? I think you've hit it on the head. The, the, the reasoning you explained around, or at least you're thinking around trying to be profitable on day one, I think definitely makes sense, uh, resonates. And I think is actually a very natural segue to, to what I was going to say as well. I think if you think D2C e-commerce is, is expensive and unprofitable, I mean, SaaS is even much worse. I mean, you're hiring a very expensive dev team, developers, designers, the DevOps team. I mean, there's a lot of people that go into building a SaaS uh, product. So costs are completely human, but very expensive nonetheless. And uh, they're all fixed costs as well. So I think what we've done, I think, is very intelligent and also slightly cheating. So what we've done here is we've taken the resources we already have at GrowthIt and we've created a productized service out of it. It's a natural outgrowth. So to give you some context, there are, let's say, 200 or plus leads that come to GrowthIt every single year looking to work with us. And the Wait, hold on. Let's give us more credit, Jonathan. I think it was like 700 last year. So just so we can have a little more social proof on our, our lead gen. There you go. 700 leads. And... A lot of these can't afford our full service. And the problem is we would otherwise in the past essentially end the relationship there. But what we've done now or what we're about to do with this productized service is we've created an offering that allows us to serve them. What they really want is designs, whether it's landing pages, emails, or ads that convert. And what our offer is also going to include is extremely fast delivery times, as low as one day. And we're going to do it at a price point that they can easily afford and in a very seamless experience. So if we were to build this out as a SaaS tool, code would be executing it on the back end. But what we're doing is we're going to initially execute it with humans. And then once we feel like we've built a system that works, we can easily, or I should say at that point, with confidence at least, 
convert that to code on the back end and have that SaaS tool that we feel very confident about. And there are many examples of companies who've done uh, something very similar. WP Curve in the past, a single guy in Australia built um, essentially a system for maintaining uh, WordPress sites, blew it up and I think sold it to HostGator or GoDaddy, one of the two. And then Design Pickle is, I think, the most recent one. Design Shop that does all types of design that's been it's built small micro SaaS tools within it. And it, that's also another big inspiration for us. And the best part is we have all the ingredients to make this success. We have the people, we have the skill sets, we have the audience. So it's not like we're starting from scratch and being unprofitable on day one. As Jim was talking about earlier, we would start and this would be revenue generating right away, essentially. And it wouldn't have much costs besides what we currently have at Growth Hits. So that's that's the big advantage. And I feel like there's many exciting things we can talk about on this. And hopefully by the next update, we'll have many interesting stories to share. On. And one of the things that tipped off this idea was we were, I forgot what we were reading, but Jonathan and I were talking and we stumbled upon the fact that Canva does like over a billion a year. And it's, it's just insane, the volume that we're doing. And we went through it and it's like, sure, I, and I'm not gonna rag on Canva. They do some great stuff. There's great templates. But we're like, would we use that? It's like, we want, you know, designs that convert. And it's like, man, if we could unbundle parts of this for our clients or the clients that can't afford us at that premium level, but like we get so many leads that we we want to help, but they have a, a budget that's less than what we offer. It's like, this would be perfect for them. So the next question is, this: is how is this a SaaS, right? I get how it's a productized service, but how is it a SaaS? There's a couple ways. One is, like the Canva route, it's a, a library of templates that one could use. The second route is one that I'm a little bit more interested in, and I'm about to talk about a subject that I don't know much about. But we had the one of the co-founders of Copy AI on, and you know, think of doing AI for copy, but doing it for visuals. What would that look like? So with Copy AI, it's like, hey, you need to write ad copy. Tell us your company name and your pitch, and what copy formula you would like. It's like a problem solution format or whatever it would be. And it'll generate all these ideas. As it gets smarter and smarter, it can you know write the copy for you. So when will AI happen, not for text, but for visuals, where you could be like, hey, here's my brand book. Here's our assets. Here's our products. Will you make an ad that is a before and after, that is problem solution? Could you make a landing page that is aspirational? I don't think that is impossible as I am like, again, I'm talking about stuff I don't know right now, but I'm trying to learn more around what is capable there. So if we can build the audience, if we can deliver the solution, whether it be manually or not, that is something that down the road would be exciting to bolt onto it. But anyway, that might be wishful thinking, but that, that's why I'm so excited about this idea. Well, there you go. That's that's the big dream, man. Uh, thanks for exciting me. I'm even more excited about it now. And we, we've yet to name it. I have a bad name idea for it. I don't know if we want to say it right now. We, we can hold it. I do want Angela to be on it. She should be a part of the naming. But right now, the, 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 the holding name for it is Design Hit. We have a, market, a growth agency called Growth Hit. So I was real smart. And uh, I said, what about Design Hit? So I think Angela will have something significantly better than that. Well, cool. Well, what I think that's the update on the $3 million challenge. We'll do this again next month to see like how we're going with it. I mean, right now we've we're wiring out the the landing page for it. And Jonathan and Haroon, our, our amazing operations man, is helping 
build out the infrastructure for it. So we will see. So if anybody wants to be a guinea pig for design hit, let us know. But um, Jonathan, thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Have a good one. All right. Excited for today. If anyone out there is looking to start a consultancy, they are a consultant that's looking to grow their business or anyone that's honestly just an entrepreneur looking to start something that you could potentially sell, I think this episode will be a good one for you. So I have Michael Zaparski on. Um, really excited to get into everything he's done. But Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jim. Great to be with you. And uh, thanks for having me. Yes. And uh, I must apologize. We were supposed to start 15 minutes earlier, but there was a leaf blower situation going on. So he was kind enough to delay this 15 minutes. So thank you for your, your patience. Not a problem, man. Glad, uh, glad to be with you. Yes. And the, the leaves are cleaned up. So it's a win-win all the way around. But um, <laughs> there, there's so much to get into, but I'm actually interested to see how you answer this question. But Michael, what? How do you introduce yourself? What, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've been running, uh, or I've been in the consulting business now for going on almost twenty-three years. Uh, I started just the uh, first year of college. Uh, my first consulting-related business with my cousin, the business partner Sam. Uh, a few years later, we started another consulting business. I ended up going over to Japan, opening up a branch office for that business. Uh, and then later on, after living in Japan for five or six years, came back to North America, started another consulting business, this time focused on lead generation services for professional services firms. Long story short, Sam and I were sitting at a family barbecue one summer after kind of going our own ways on, with different businesses and careers. And uh, we said, you know, it'd be fun to do something again, but this time we should do it online because we've always both loved the idea of traveling, being able to live and work anywhere you want. And this is pre, you know, well pre COVID. So the idea of kind of living and working anywhere was quite foreign to many people. Um, and so we decided that we would start sharing our experiences of building consulting businesses, the good, the bad, the ugly, just lessons learned with the goal and hope that we could um, kind of empower and inspire and motivate, but, but ultimately really help people to avoid the common mistakes that we made so they could be successful faster. And uh, that's how consultingsuccess.com was started. People were re consuming the content and saying, hey, this is great stuff. You know, do you guys have a course that could help us to become successful consultants? We said, no, we don't, but we'll create one. Uh, and then we kept getting really good feedback on that. And then people said, hey, this is a really good course. You know, I've increased my income and so on, but uh, I'd love to work with you more closely. Do you have a coaching program? And we said at that time, no, we don't, but uh, we'll create one. And so here we are about 13 years into running consulting success, where we focus on really helping entrepreneurial consultants uh, to build more profitable, strategic and scalable consulting businesses. And we've had the pleasure of working with thousands of consultants uh, in our training programs and, and workshops and about 600 that we've worked personally with uh, as part of our Clarity Coaching Program. That's amazing. So you basically, you have a course component and then you have a coaching component to your business. Um, and then is there also maybe a, a content arm or what, what else do you guys have as far as offerings that you give? Yeah, so I mean, content is where we got started. Uh, we we just essentially began to share what we experienced. Uh, again, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, like stories from the trenches, the times we got punched in the gut and it was hard to get back up, the times when we celebrated and and won, you know, big projects and um, and well-known clients. Uh, and there was no monetization at that early stage. So uh, we just wanted to kind of put it out there, build community uh, and deliver as much value as we could. 
That's really interesting. And I think like as an agency owner myself, I love seeing the content you put out. And I always, for myself, I'm like, what is the best way to maximize my time for putting out content? Is it SEO focused blog content? Is it, you know, thought leadership opinion pieces? Is it data pieces? Like you talk about like the state of the consulting industry and doing studies. Can you speak to, you know, what is the type of content that really performs the best, either for getting people's attention or eventually working them down the funnel enough to be like, hey, I want to work with you guys? Yeah, it's a really great question, Jim. And I think the the way I would answer that is that it depends on uh, what stage you're at or kind of what your business looks like. If it's just you, the approach that you should take will probably be different than if you have a team behind you. So if you're a solo consultant or a solo entrepreneur or, or whatever you might be, and you want to uh, create more thought leadership, you want to just get create more awareness, then I, I would probably recommend, depending on where your ideal clients are, I would go to the platform where they are. So if it's LinkedIn, I'd go to LinkedIn and I would put something on LinkedIn every single day that's going to be valuable to your ideal clients. Uh, and I would spend that time just trying to engage. So in the world of consulting, it's very different than if you're selling 10 or $15 you know, gizmos uh, in the consumer marketplace, because every engagement is going to be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And so you don't need to play the volume game. You should be playing the value game. You should be focused on on conversations and deep, meaningful interactions. So that's why you know there is going to be uh, kind of no one size fits all. It, it really depends on who you're targeting and what the approach is. My background has almost always been B two B, and so the the value of of each conversation is pretty significant. And so you you don't need to focus on a lot. Of people, you need to focus on a few people and try and get to, them, to know them very well or cater your content. There's some really good advice in there. I love that call out of playing the value game, not just the volume game, and going to the platform they are on and not just making content because it has good keywords, but starting with the end goal in mind and really like hitting on those questions they might have. And so as, as you think through offers, this is something that when I think of offers and pricing, even with our own agency, I struggle with because we'll be like, okay, we'll do a free growth strategy call. We'll even do some free ROI audits where they go through their analytics and talk about what they can like improve. Sometimes we would do it paid or it's like, hey, let us do a growth strategy for you and have that be like a one-time fee. And then as we look at, for us, we do uh, re uh, retainers. So it's like a monthly fixed cost. We're then pricing out our, our services and our offerings. And so if, if I'm starting a consultancy and I'm like, okay, I've got to think through these offers, think through pricing, how should I be approaching that? Yeah, again, great question. And there is no one size fits all. It's going to depend on your business model. Uh, what you want to to ultimately achieve. The, the typical, uh, kind of the, the most standard approach that can work exceptionally well and has been proven for many, many years is you start off, you have a discovery offer, which is kind of what you're referring to, where it's a low-priced offering uh, that allows you to get your foot in the door. It's easy for the buyer to say yes uh, and allows you to, to demonstrate value, to build trust. Uh, and because the, heart, the first sale is always the hardest sale to make, once you've got your foot in the door with a typically relatively low priced uh, engagement. So it could be $1,500 to $15,000. Uh, now it's a lot easier to get the, the client to say yes to whatever the next thing that, that comes because you've already demonstrated value. And what holds most people back from saying yes to engaging with a consultant or anyone in professional services is the question in your mind of like, okay, this person might be saying great things. 
and I'm even seeing good things about them, but will they really be able to deliver? Will they really be able to help my, you know, my situation? And so getting your foot in the door with a relatively small engagement allows you to prove that. And so now as the buyer and, and client, you become more comfortable investing at a much larger uh, size going forward. So the first thing would be the discovery offer. And the second thing is what we call just uh, the full engagement. And the full engagement, uh, very often, you know, providing three options uh, can work exceptionally well. So you'll have kind of good, better, best, uh, and and allowing the, the client to choose which option makes the most sense for them. Uh, so rather than just saying, hey, here's the price, take it or leave it, you're saying, here's a few options, which one of these would work best for you? So with the discovery offer, could you even give more examples of that? Because ones we've tried to test, I kind of mentioned was, we'll do an ROI audit, we'll do a traffic analysis, we'll do a, we'll even build like a 12 day roadmap. Um, Because you hit on like the point of the discovery offer is a simple way for them to kind of test working with you, get them to start paying you, but also you want to demonstrate value probably in under 30 days. But any more examples of those? Yeah, I mean, we have tons. Like, this is one of the things that we do uh, and work with our clients very closely on to help them to get up, up and running. The, the big thing with the discovery offer is it's not about what you think the client should have or what you should do for them or what's easy for you. The, the key to a successful discovery offer is really looking at what is the number one problem, pain point, challenge, or, or even question or questions that you, you, consider, you consistently see or that kind of keep coming up because that's what you want, right? So you want to make the discovery offer something that's almost not like an impulse buy because investing $5,000 or $10,000, you know, or even $1,500 is rarely just like an impulse buy, but you want to make it very easy for them. You want to make it a, a no brainer. The discovery offer, even though you're not going to be able to deliver the full result that that client or buyer wants from uh, the, a total engagement, you should be able to still uh, provide significant value. So it should be compelling enough that when they look at it and go, yeah, okay, if I invest X amount into this, here's what I'm going to get from it. And that's going to help me to solve this, this really challenging, painful problem that I have right now. And it's going to also set me up to, to see, to have greater kind of visibility into what is the best path forward. So one way to kind of look at this would be taking uh, the kind of the metaphor, the concept of, let's say, building a house. And so you could, uh, if you were the contractor, you could say to your clients that are the homeowners, hey, you know what, uh, let me just build a house for you. And that's going to cost you $1 million or whatever it is. Uh, the problem with that is that if you haven't done any planning in advance, you might find out that all of a sudden, like the toilet is, is in the kitchen or the, the countertops are not are like too high or too low. All these different issues could come up. Instead, the idea with the discovery offer is, hey, before we actually just start building your house, let's actually create a blueprint. Let's, let's kind of you know, sit down and talk about your preferences and what colors you like and what styles you like and all this kind of stuff. And from that, we're going to create a book or um, you know, some kind of document that we'll, we'll catalog and, uh, and we'll be able to recommend the, the style of design for your house. And we'll make sure that we, we're capturing the furnishings that you like the most. And uh, we'll take into consideration the height for you and for your, for your spouse or for your kids or whatever it is, right? So you get very clear about the, the environment and what they want and what matters to them most going forward. And so now when you go to actually build the house, which, be, which would be the equivalent of a full engagement in the consulting world, you're, you're able to do it in a way that creates a superior result for your client. But it's also a really powerful dynamic because what you're saying to the client is, listen, instead of paying us a million dollars or $150,000 or whatever it might be right off the bat, like don't even do that because we, if you do that, there might be a lot of waste. 
right? As we try and figure things out and, and move through this process. Instead, I'd like you to spend less with us initially. And I, let's just go through this one process. It's going to give you these really valuable outcomes and results. And from that, we're then going to be able to figure out what is the best next steps for you, which we can recommend, which means that there will there'll be a lot less waste and you're going to get a lot more of what you want, uh, therefore contributing to and creating a significantly greater uh, ROI for you. I love that. And it just, if you want a long-term partnership with somebody, it, it's really managing expectations the right way and setting up a project for success, which I also like. I'd be interested, you know, so this is a question I like to ask everybody as we kind of wind down, but it's, you know, what is the nicest thing anyone has done for you in your professional career? Yeah, so this would be in my time in Japan. Um, you know, so I, I went to Japan to open up our branch office there uh, without really knowing many people at all. Uh, the first thing that I did before I even got there is uh, found a directory of Japanese design, um, kind of graphic design and arch architecture companies uh, because the business that I went to open up the branch office, it was called Kanke Culture. It was a, a branding and kind of visual design and marketing company that we had started. Uh, and so I, I emailed a whole bunch of, I think it was like 20 or 25 different companies. I ended up hearing back just from one or two, went there, went to Japan and met with those, with the two people um, and really resonated, like really hit it off with with one of the the owners of a design company out there named Shinosuke. And he, he and I got along uh, exceptionally well and he just opened up so many opportunities. Um, and, and what I mean specifically is introduced me to other people. And so he introduced me to another uh, person who ended up becoming a, a mentor of mine named Moria. And, uh, and he was the managing partner uh, or director at a, at a large Japanese advertising agency. Uh, and he just, in, and he introduced me to a whole bunch of people. So it was just multiple people. I mean, there's, there's probably four people I can think of instantly who were uh, Japanese business owners or just, high, you know, high level people who were exceptionally kind uh, to me, who took me under their wing. I mean, I was certainly younger. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lot of things that, that I didn't know, but they were, they were very supportive, very kind, uh, and, and really created a lot of opportunities for us. Especially being in a new city, having somebody that's kind enough to kind of open some doors for you is, is everything. So that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah, you know what, Jim, it, it wasn't even like a new city. I mean, it was a new country. So I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm the sole white guy at a boardroom table filled with, at that time, I was in my early 20s, and there's people who are late 40s, 50s, 60s, in some cases, even even 70s in some you know kind of chairman positions or whatever it was. Um, and my Japanese at that time wasn't fluent. There's a lot of things I didn't know, uh, but I just tried to you know learn and, and listen. But but these guys really went out of their way to. I'm sure they also were interested in probably picking my brain or um, you know there's maybe some. I'm hoping some value they could extract. From, from me as well. But I certainly feel I learned a lot more from them than, than they did from me. That's awesome. Um, well, Michael, I feel like this was a masterclass in consulting, which was super helpful for me. I think I learned a lot. But where can we point um, people if they want to learn more about you or the content you're putting out or even some of the offerings you have? Yeah, everything's at consultingsuccess.com. Uh, you can find all the articles, the studies that we put out, the Consulting Success podcast, um, free guides, uh, all out there. So consultingsuccess.com would be the best place. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, just if anyone's launching a consulting practice, you know, really trying to get the best practices, it's stuff that I put off. And then when I finally invested in content like yours, it just, man, it, it really helps catapult things. So, Michael, thank you so much and really enjoyed it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Jim. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money. But I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthHit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.